0: Haven't done one of these in a little bit here. Been helping a friend out who's in a very dire situation, so it's uh, taken up. I wouldn't say taken up a lot of my time, but I guess it has. It's uh, no, it's worth. It's worth doing when you can do stuff like that. But anyway, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's it's really been Groundhog Day. It's like it's almost the way things have felt lately. Is is it's like, Dear Diary. It feels like Groundhog Day if they blurred everything in the movie except for Bill Murray. Like if the movie was just, you could see Bill Murray very clearly. Or maybe not even that clearly. Maybe he's a little bit blurry, but you can tell it's him. And then everything else, they use some sort of blur effect. Like I know in the old Star Wars movies, (laughs) the old... (laughs) I know in the old Star Wars movies, when they did the original Star Wars, that's how they 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 used some sort of Vaseline or smudge. They used a, a dose of smudge to make it so you couldn't see the wheels under the land speeder. That's what I heard they did. I heard they put Vaseline, but now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know how well that would work, putting Vaseline on the, the film. Not sure. That's what I heard. That was the rumor. Star Wars rumors. Um, But, uh, yeah, Groundhog Day, if just Bill Murray was, like, slightly out of focus and everything else was just a total blur. That's kind of how my mind and life has felt. And, you know, it's so hard to... What I I find extremely difficult, and this isn't isn't new, but it, it doesn't seem to get any better, is... I'm just I cannot respond to text messages very well anymore you know and it depends I've been doing a lot of writing which is interesting it's not being able to write uh, even though that's you know just writing and editing is, is just a whole other world unto itself I mean that's just it's like doing math for me it's like doing math problems constantly it's like a never-ending math problem. Because I think it, I think the brain works that way. I mean, I think in the same way that somebody who's very good at math, which I'm not, you know, sees things in mathematical terms and kind of understands how those equations work, using fancy language here. Um, I mean, that's kind of my relationship to writing. Like, I have these weird little ticks that I try to avoid and words that I overuse. Like, I notice how often I say the word also. ...or though and however. And I think about that and I'm like, would somebody else even notice this? If I'm writing something... ...would they notice how often I use however? Would they notice how often I say that? But it, I don't know, it's difficult. When you're writing about something kind of complex, like... I'm working on, I've been working on a, several different mafia articles... ...that involve a lot of detail, a lot of research... And you weave this stuff together, you have to weave your points together, and, you know, especially, interestingly, during the editing process, this happens over and over again, and it's really funny, I'll be going through a long piece of writing, editing it, and I'll come to a, a new paragraph, and I'll think, like, oh, I forgot to use that word, or I forgot to reference this. I'll just see something that I think is missing. And then I'll fix it without looking at the rest of the paragraph. And then as I go into the rest of the paragraph, I'm like, oh, I I did mention that, and I did it in a way that was way more thought out and better stated. But, like, when you're editing, you become this other person who is now second-guessing your writing. little creative workshop here. But it's true, you become this other person who is now kind of going through and second guessing and that's good because that's what editing is in addition to fixing mistakes it very much is second guessing yourself saying is that the best way that that could have been worded and I, this really only started in the last i think like 14 months a bit longer than a baby is in the womb a lot longer but uh, in the last uh, 14 months is when I've really devoted myself to writing these long form pieces on the Mafia that you know most people probably couldn't even get through the first section. But doing that though, it's very interesting because just there's so much detail I'm trying to convey. There's so many complex ideas. You know, not like not in an intellectual way. It's not like stuff that that requires you know smarts. But it's just trying to convey something that involves, like, years, almost two decades of research, and trying to help the person reading it understand, and to try to appeal to somebody who—you know, it's not for beginners, it's not for somebody who's just getting interested in the subject— But to try to, you know, appeal to somebody who isn't just completely out of their mind about it like I am, someone who isn't completely obsessed, you know, just trying to to make it readable and understandable for someone like that is a whole other part of it. So it's not just that you're, when you're editing, you're not just second-guessing yourself and thinking, oh, is there a better way I could have said this? It's that you're also having to look at it through the, the eyes of somebody who's not you, which, when I do things, I usually don't care as much about that. We all do, inevitably. But different people are impacted by that. You know, that's where a lot of people's anxiety comes from, where... Some people go into a room, and... They, they aren't thinking, like, how do I feel about what I'm doing in this room? I mean, I'm just talking about walking into a room, walking into a bar. But, you know, some people, they they think, you know, they might not even be thinking this consciously, but where they're grounded is, what am I doing? How do I feel about how I look? How do I, whatever. It's very much about your own perception of, of, of you being in this room but for some people they go in and they're like what does everybody else think about what I'm doing? What does everybody else think about what I'm wearing And that's where you get into this you know strangers sort of thing you know the the, the uh, what is it the door <laughs> I'm gonna gonna quote doors lyrics Star Wars and the doors Star doors shouldn't even shouldn't even have made that joke. Just a very, very low. Setting a low bar. Haven't done this in a while, and I'm just setting the bar real low. Star doors, really. Star door. Do you like the star door? Star doors. Jim Morrison and the doors. There's an odd connection there, actually. You know, I, I was a Star Wars fanatic as a kid, and you know, I, I think I did try to verify this later, and it was more or less true. But what I was told through the grapevine many years ago was that Harrison Ford started as a roadie or a carpenter for the doors. The band the doors. Somebody my friend told me that many years ago, and that's a good example of one of those things that you you used to never think about verifying things like that like, pre-internet, and I mean, I think I was told that when the internet was around, but it was before the days, of just constant fact-checking everybody you talk to. I mean, a friend of mine was telling me, her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, who wasn't even a bad guy or anything, but, you know, in, not a bad person, uh, how when she would say something, he would just pull out his phone and fact-check it right there, just to see if it was true. And I think I talked about this on here before, because that stood out to me. Because I've had my own experiences with, like, people looking things up right in front of you. Like, my ex-girlfriend's roommate's boyfriend, who I liked. He was a really nice kid. But he was kind of... He was just starting to get into metal. And he would pick my brain about it. And it was totally cool. I mean, like, anytime somebody's interested in something new, it's exciting. And, like, I mean, it wasn't, like, me gatekeeping or being an asshole about it but one time I wore a band shirt over and he just like looked it up like he, he saw it and then he just like looked it up on his phone right in front of me and was talking to me about the band and I was like that's a that's scary I was like what if I wore the wrong band shirt what if I wore the band shirt what if what if I what if I wore a controversial band But I guess that's what you do. That was also eye-opening, though, because I was like, you know, yeah, you do got to think... In this world, you do have to think about things like that. Like, you have to worry about the sort of references you make. You have to worry about what it says on your shirt. Not just because of that unto itself, but because someone can just look it up. And on one hand, like, when that guy did that, I, I know I've talked about this before, but... I know, I know I've talked about this before, but it, see, I haven't been doing my accents for a couple of weeks. I've got to get, get loose, got to loosen up. But when that kid did that, you know, and he was like in his early 20s, I guess. It was a few years ago, some years ago. It, on one hand, it seemed kind of uh, like it was unethical. Like I grew up in an age where if you use the internet a lot, you couldn't admit it. Like, when the internet first got big, when I was, you know, hitting my teens, it was still kind of seen as something dangerous. It was almost like saying you use a drug, but a drug for losers. The internet was a drug for losers. Now it's a drug for everybody, and now everybody's a loser, so it all works. Turns out, like, when the when the mainstream started using the internet constantly, it didn't make the internet any better. It just made everybody into losers, or they already were, but... But there was a time, though, where, like, very few people used the internet much. And uh, you kind of kept it a secret. Like, everybody used it. Like, by the time I was about 15, by the time I was about 15, like, almost every kid I knew hung out on instant messenger at night. But you didn't really admit it. And you didn't have, you know, this and this isn't an old man. Oh, my day, we didn't even have phones. I mean, my friends had cell phones by high school. You know, cell phones were around, but, but, it, but the mindset was different. And I mean, those phones, you couldn't look things up anyway. They were truly just phones. You could text message and you could call. But it, I, the mentality was also different, too. Because, like let's say somebody told you something and it didn't sound right and it stuck in your head, you actually had the means to go home and look that up on the internet to see if it was true. And a huge part of the internet was devoted to that. You know, some of the most popular sites early in internet history, some of the most popular sites early in internet history were, um, you know, Snopes, urban legends. You know, they were, they were about disproving myths so that, that was in the air, but it, my point is, if I can eventually get to it, is just the mindset was very different of people, like, the people's mindset was very different, where if somebody told you something, like, even if you didn't believe it, you kind of didn't care, and you didn't really see the, the point in looking it up, and the only time I remember doing that is that story I've told you on here before, like, every story, where, um... It's the Bible. You got to read the Bible multiple times. You got to you got to reread the Bible. You got to hear my stories more than once. A 100 times until you learn them until the until they're, <laughs> until they're your parable. <laughs> Can't even get it out. Until they're your parables too. It would have been funnier if I didn't laugh, but uh would have been funnier if I didn't laugh. But anyway, the only time I remember, like, really looking something up was if somebody told me I was wrong about something that I knew was right. Because you had incentive, you had a little fire in you to look it up. But I, I told that story about being on the bus, going to this film class in junior high with two of my friends, who, uh, one of them would always, he was like the other guy's lackey, and he would always take that guy's side. Like, these two friends of mine, like, I was a stubborn idiot don't get me wrong, but one of these guys was really opinionated, and the other guy would always take his opinion, and so because we were like three teenage boys on the bus, we would just bicker, and they would gang up on me, but one particular time, I used the word Celtic, C-E-L-T-I-C, Celtic. And the opinionated one goes, That's, you're saying that wrong. And I said, what? And he goes, it's, it's pronounced Celtic. It's pronounced Celtic. And I said, yeah, the, they call the basketball team that. And maybe you can pronounce it that way. But I was like, whenever someone talks about Celtic culture, they say Celtic. And, like, and, and keep in mind, I wasn't telling him he was wrong he he had attacked me for pronouncing it celtic and not celtic and i i never forgot i forgive but i don't forget because i never forgot this because I, in the moment i just i knew that it's not that he was it's not that he was wrong for also using the pronunciation celtic he was wrong for telling me i was wrong and the other kid predictably took his side and so all of a sudden and I've said this before I've said this when I talk about bullying and things like that that if you don't let kids make fun of something somebody for one thing they'll find another thing so like oh kids aren't allowed to make fun of each other for being fat okay that's good that's nice but it doesn't stop that process from happening they'll attack each other for pronouncing the word Celtic Celtic They'll make fun of each other for the color popsicle they got from the the ice cream stand. And this is a good example of that, because that day, you know, they just decided to double down on me about my pronunciation of Celtic. And I didn't just bring it up out of the blue. I wasn't just, like, blabbing about Celtic culture. Like, these kids were smart, and we would talk about all sorts of things. So that day, somehow, Celtic came up. But that night, I went home, looked up the definition, the pronunciation guide, and sure enough, like I already knew, you know, Celtic is the most common pronunciation, and Celtic was also on there. They included the alternate pronunciation Celtic. But to this day, like every time I hear that word, I think about this. These things just get burned in you. And to this day, I've never heard somebody talking about the culture call it Celtic, but they were wrong. That's why, I haven't, that's why I've never heard anybody say that. But I sent I sent the link to this kid who was a good friend of mine. Like we were friends for our our entire lives, but this was the lackey. And I don't say that about him to knock him, even though that's what it sounds like, because it was just like the the dynamic of their friendship was always like the one being very confident and adamant. And the other one just going, yeah, what he said. Just the typical sort of parrot, henchman sort of dynamic. But I sent it to the lackey, and I was like, look, the pronunciations are right here. And then he said, I can't believe you cared enough to look it up. I can't believe you cared enough to look it up. And that's the ultimate. That's like, to me, that's worse than ad hominem. Hominem. Ad hominem. To me, that's worse than ad hominem you know, ad hominem being like when instead of responding to someone's argument, you just insult them. This is worse than that. It's the the classic like, oh, you care that much. Like when you know you've lost an argument, you can always try to win by pulling the rug out from underneath somebody and saying, oh, I didn't know you cared that much. I, I don't care as much as you. And you see that a lot in online arguments, interestingly, but it's always taken place. Like, Like this was, this was a, this happened with this kid all the time. He always used this. That wasn't the only time he used the I don't care card. But I, you know, you see this a lot online. If you ever see like comment sections, forums, wherever people, social media where people argue, sometimes, you know, the argument (laughs) turns into like who cares the least. Meanwhile, like the people are totally invested in it but like when they lose the argument it's trying to prove that they care less than the other person and that's what happened here but anyway you know it's like point being like back in those days like my mindset my 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 approach to like information wasn't like oh somebody told me something i don't know if it's true i'm going to go home and look it up my only incentive to do that was like that where it was like oh Somebody told me I was wrong about something, and I know I was right, and I'm going to find the evidence that I was right. And I never really picked up the mindset of, like, fact-checking things as people say them. I mean, I think think it's partially generational, where, uh, you know, it's partially gener. I mean, because you can see that with, like, handshaking or something, where you know, older generations, it just got hammered in their head that when you meet someone, like when a guy meets somebody, you just reach your hand out and shake their hand. And I'm cool with handshaking. I'm not against handshaking, but I think about like the, the generation that I grew up in where handshaking was seen as sort of like something old guys did, and you didn't do it automatically. Like somebody would stick their hand out and you'd be like oh i guess i'm supposed to do that but if you're just meeting other people you you wouldn't do that like if you were a teenager when i grew up and you're meeting another teenager for the first time you didn't reach out and shake their hand you didn't do it with adults either you just didn't think to do it and it wasn't out of rudeness it's not like you it's not like an act of war like i'm not shaking their hand for a reason it was—it's just not something you do. It's not something you think about. But to an older person, not reaching your hand out to shake somebody's hand was seen as kind of rude. It'd been kind of hammered into their head that that's what you do to show civility, to show respect. It's like bowing in other cultures. But uh, you know, I think it's kind of the same thing with some of this—this this etiquette surrounding phones. Etiquette uh, surrounding. You you know, looking things up in front of somebody else. Because, I mean, it was even kind of a... It was definitely considered a little bit rude, and still is, obviously... To be, like, text messaging somebody while you're in a conversation. And you'd hear people give each other shit about it. You'd hear people say, like, oh, you know, oh, it sucks. Like, you know, I'm talking to my girlfriend. She's texting the whole time, just right in front of me. Or if you are hanging out with a friend... If they did, they would say, like, oh, I'm sorry, but, you know, my, my mom got surgery today, so I need I need to check my phone to, like, see if I got a message. Like, that was when text messaging was new. A lot of people were were kind of like, hey, yeah, maybe you shouldn't just get on your phone and, and be messaging other people. Like, you should be present with the person you're with. But I've noticed that's gone out the window, because that stuff was never really defined it was kind of like drawing from a, an older version of politeness. But people also just got so immersed in, in the phone and everything that I think it just pulled them in. And, and then everybody started doing it, so everybody kind of understands. And I mean, I, even I do, though. Like, I'll have a friend over or something, which is very rare, but, you know, I'll have... Uh, I'll be with somebody, and I do find myself, not not in public, but, like, just at my house or at somebody's house, I will just kind of, like, be talking to them, and I'll occasionally just pull my phone out. I don't don't think I do it very much, but you do just kind of do that now. But still, like, I think being my generation, like... I was I still grew up in a time where like internet use was kind of something you kept to yourself like going to the bathroom that's kind of what it was like like you didn't admit to using the internet very much even if even if everybody you knew did everybody could be using it all the time but you didn't really admit to that and then uh, like like my generation got to experience you know maybe the first generation of teenagers, I mean, probably the first, if not close to it, that actually had text messaging and, you know, these, these convenient little cell phones, but I, but you couldn't do much on them, you couldn't look things up, you weren't in the mindset of looking things up, and so back to Han Solo, (laughs) back to Han Solo, when a friend told me that years ago that oh, Harrison Ford, was a, he was a roadie or a carpenter for the doors. Like, he would do carpentry work for their their set or something. I guess a big band would need a carpenter for their show. I don't, I don't really know how that works. But I was told that, and I was just like, oh, okay. Because it wouldn't be in my mind to think that that was a lie. Even though people did lie or, or through the game of telephone, like, spread all kinds of bullshit... And I miss that. I miss just the urban legends. I miss... Because urban legend is sort of formal. Like an urban legend legend is sort of something that becomes formalized. But people... And, and some of those are documented. Like you can go to websites where all of these urban legends, some of which I heard when I was a kid, are all over the internet and they, they explain how it's a bunch of bullshit or it was based on this, but it got distorted as it spread around the country. But beyond the urban legends, which, like, everybody remembers, there was also just a ton of bullshit that you just heard. It wasn't formalized. Like, it never got grandfathered into people's thinking like an urban legend. Somebody would just tell you something that was total bullshit. Like, somebody could have just told me, oh, did you know Harrison Ford was a roadie for the doors? And I just would have gone, oh... And somebody could just make that up or have gotten it totally wrong. And you, you heard things like that all the fucking time. There was always somebody, like a lot of people's idle chatter was that way. Like if you went out to eat with people, like when I was a kid, like my mom would drag me to go out to eat with like a group of people, friends, family, friends, whatever. And they would just chatter about stuff. And nobody cared if it was right. And if somebody knew it was wrong, they might go, oh, well, that's wrong. But for the most part, it's like people just said all these things it was just making conversation like they could just say oh do you know that like that actor is this actor's brother and they have the same last name and you just go okay i didn't know that it turns out they just had the same last name and they weren't even related but like people would just say things like that like the actor ned Beatty, who's in deliverance my entire life i thought he was the brother of warren Beatty. And even though he's like, he's you know, he's a big fat guy and Warren Beatty was like considered uh, the man when he was, you know, big, just in my head, like I was like, oh, they, yeah, they kind of look like brothers. I'm pretty sure they're not, unless I'm spouting something wrong right now. I'm pretty sure I found out later they weren't, like I actually went to look it up because I spent years, I was just like, oh yeah, Warren Beatty's less famous brother, Ned, who was in De- who, who was the guy who gets violated by Rednecks and Deliverance. And I, I even remember having a conversation with my friend Nick about that. You know, we were... Both of us were big fans of the movie Deliverance. Which, when you say that to people, it's funny. Like, I know I've talked about Deliverance a lot on here, because when you tell people you're a big fan of the movie Deliverance, they immediately go, oh, you must love male rape scenes. They think that, like, you you like it for some sadistic reason. And I mean, that was a huge movie when it came out. I mean, it was a big book, big movie. But it's like, it's one of those movies where everybody associates it with one scene for good reason. And you know what I will say about Deliverance? I don't not like it because of that scene. Like, I'm glad that scene's in because that scene is so fucking crazy and horrific. The fact that they made that scene. And, and how, how well it came across. I mean, that's a fucking horror movie. That's, like, that's a short little horror movie right there. But when you tell people you like the movie Deliverance, they're always just like, oh, you know, uh, I guess you like horrific male rape then. But anyway, uh, I thought Ned Beatty from Deliverance was Warren Beatty's brother. And like talking to my friend Nick about it, just being like, oh yeah, you know, Warren Beatty's brother. And just being like, yeah. Found out recently, probably since then, you know, in the last 10 years maybe, they're apparently not brothers. I don't even think they're related. I should, I need to double verify that. Um, but you just, you would th- you would think things like that, and then you would tell people things like that. Like, it's not like anybody told me they were brothers. I don't think anybody, like, sat me down and said, oh, you know the guy who gets raped in deliverance? The big fat guy? The big fat guy? Uh... Did you know he's Warren Beatty's brother? It's not like anybody told me that. It was just something that like, I tried to do that equation in my head, thought that was the case, probably told other people. I probably told my friend that. Because people just said things. They didn't think about it getting verified, but I missed that. Because it didn't really cause any harm. You know, we live in this age of, like, fact-checkers and misinformation, disinformation now. But a lot of that stuff doesn't cause any harm. Like, even if it's about something serious, because you would hear horrible stuff, too. You know, a lot of urban legends and a lot of just bullshit that people spewed back in the day. A lot of it was uh, stuff that could get you riled up. Like, oh, there was a guy who used to kidnap kids who lived in that house. And he would hang them upside down. You hear things that make you go, like, it would would make you question humanity. Like, it still had the potential to... And, I mean, too, it involved politics, involved everything. Like, I remember hearing some stuff about George Bushel. And the internet was around, but it was like, you, someone could just say something about, like, oh, you know, George Bushel did this. And you see people do that all the time still. Like, even with all this ability to fact-check, the amount of bullshit out there is just insane. And fact-checking itself is bullshit. So, round and round you go. But still, like, you, you know, it's not like all of the stories people told back in the day that couldn't be verified, the things that traveled word of mouth, it's not like they were all completely harmless, I mean, some of it was, could be very incendiary, but overall I missed that just because it was like, because you, you, your, your intuition played a very big role. Like for me, somebody would tell me something that was just total nonsense, and I would go, it doesn't sound right, it doesn't sound right, it doesn't sound right, but I wouldn't say anything. There was sort of an ethic to it. And that was what I was getting at originally when I started talking about this. Is like, It was almost like it was impolite to call somebody on their bullshit unless it was really like life or death. Like I actually believed my friend when he told me Harrison Ford was a roadie for the doors. And he turned out to be right. But I didn't know he was right. And that was a... You know, something makes sense about it though. Like Harrison Ford, I don't. I'd have to look at them side by side and maybe I shouldn't. Like, somebody looks in my window at night, and I just have a picture of Jim Morrison. (laughs) I have a picture of Jim Morrison and uh, Harrison Ford, like, on my computer, side-by-side, analyzing. (laughs) That got a weasel laugh out of me. It's it's been too long since I've had a good weasel laugh. (laughs) Um, Yeah, someone looks through my window, and I'm just, like, comparing Jim Morrison and... (laughs) But there is something to it. Like like there's something about them that is similar. And for a second there I was like, did he play Jim Morrison in a movie? And I'm like, no, that was Val Kilmer. But you could have seen Harrison Ford play him. But something clicked. Like I was like, that makes sense somehow. It kind of goes back to what Miles said years ago about how like if somebody looks like somebody or something, they take an interest in it. Like he was telling me how this friend of ours had started watching a TV show, and I was like, why? This is the sort of gossip we talk about, but I was like, why is he watching that? It just seems surprising. And he was like, oh, somebody told him he looked like the lead actor, so he wanted to watch it. And I, but before that, I had a conversation with Miles when I first met him, and I was telling him about this kid that I grew up with who everybody called Sharky. Later, he went by his normal name, but when I, when he, I was a little kid, people called him Sharky. And the reason was because he was really interested in sharks. And I told Miles that, and he goes, did he also look like a shark? And I said, you know what, yeah. And he was like, there you go. He got interested in sharks because he, he looked like a shark. Maybe, maybe Harrison Ford, like, he could see the similarities between himself and Jim Morrison. So he became a fan of them and therefore a roadie or carpenter, whatever he was. Getting out, getting pretty out there here, but I think it's there's some truth to it. But anyway, uh, I, I even if I had a phone though, and somebody told me that, I wouldn't check it right in front of them, because like I was just saying, like even before cell phones, BC, even even during the BC era, you somebody could tell you something that you thought was a lie or just they got it wrong and it wasn't considered polite to call them on it if it didn't really matter. You didn't have to believe it. You didn't have to go along with it. But you didn't go, that's wrong. And I think that that kind of mindset applies to my generation and older and and probably not everybody from my generation, but definitely... I think if you were born in the mid-80s or before, where there's still something in you that says, like, oh, I shouldn't just fact-check everything somebody says. Although, to be honest, like, the examples of people doing that that I've heard of are a lot of uh, people, like, in their 40s. Like, my friend who told me her ex-boyfriend did that to her. He was, like, 45. Like, 45. (laughs) So maybe it's not as generational as I think, but... Well, you know know what, though? I I have a theory about that that I've discussed, which is... This is my theory. Which is... it, It depends on, like, when you started using this stuff. Like, I actually think that some older people who grew up without the internet and cell phones have the etiquette with it and use it in a similar way to the way that, like, Gen Zomers, Gen Zers... Gen Zers. I, I actually think some older people are more like young people in that regard. Like, because young people, they were just born into it. There's no politics of cell phone use. They're all on it all the time. It's always been there. It's what they know. So there's no shame. Like, I even noticed that with a younger relative of mine, who's, you know, I think still part of my generation, but, you know, seven years younger, And she's very, she's a very polite person. A a very, I think she uses all of that stuff very appropriately, uses technology appropriately, which is an interesting thing to say about somebody. But I have, one thing I've noticed about her though is she is more willing to discuss what she sees on social media or show somebody something on social media than I feel like my generation is. Like, like, she'll, she'll say like, oh, I saw that thing you posted. Whereas like, like, I remember when people first started using Facebook, like being out to drink with people and they'd be telling a story that they had posted about like five times on social media and being their friend on there, I saw it, I saw it. And it again gets back to this sort of etiquette thing where you don't say to them, I saw it on your social media. I saw it on your social media. You didn't, you just listened to the story in person. It was like you were living in two realities. That's kind of how the early internet was, especially when people started getting connected on there through social media. It was like people would say things they already said to the, a general audience that you were a part of. But if you were at a bar with them and they started launching into a story about it, as if you hadn't seen them talk about it online, you kind of kept it to yourself you kind of just went like, oh, yeah. It, very similar to what my mom taught me about birthday gifts. She was like, if you if you have a birthday party and your friend gives you something you already have or don't want, pretend you don't have it, thank them, and then you can you know return it later or something. But she's like, it's more important that, like... You know, I, I didn't realize what she was doing at the time, but it's like she was teaching me... It's this isn't just about you getting things. This is also about how they feel giving you something. And that's important cuz that's what it's about it's the exchange. I mean she you know my mom was very enlightened without trying to be and it was like she understood you know that Buddhist quote that I've talked about on here where the enlightenment is in the exchange. The enlightenment wasn't me receiving the gift. It wasn't the value of the gift, it wasn't how I felt about the gift, if I had it already, if I wanted it, it wasn't even about them spending money and choosing a gift, although it is, but it's about how they feel giving a gift to me because they like me, and me feeling liked, or, or whatever that is, it doesn't have to be liked, but it's like, it's respect or something. It's respect to something but it always stuck with me because I've been to birthday (laughs) parties I've been to birthday parties as a kid where somebody got a kid an action figure or something that they already had and they were like I already have this and I, I remember because my mom had already taught me not to do that I remember cringing inside I think I remember once actually like saying to the kid oh don't say that don't say that Because that's a a very helpful little lesson, you know. It's a it's a very helpful little lesson in life, just to be like, oh, thank you. And one time, my mom's friend, speaking of my mom and gifts, she put this into practice for sure. Because one time, uh, she uh, her friend, like I don't know, like ten years ago, middle aged woman, bought my mom this fake cat fake cat it was like this stuffed fake cat that was life-size and it it wasn't taxidermy it was fake it was a totally fake animal it wasn't a stuffed animal it was decorative it was it was like it wasn't soft it had fur and everything like fake fur but it it was like it was this decorative fake cat kind of curled up the way a sleeping cat would and I guess you're just supposed to put that on your chair it's just weird you know because i'm trying to remember if i don't think i was living with my mom i think i had moved out but i mean i would bring my cats over to her house and stay there and stuff and you know my mom you know she loved animals but she wasn't like an animal person in the sense that, like she would never have an animal on her own like my mom would never have a pet cat of her own She would love my cats, my sister's cats, but she's never the type of person who, like, wanted animals around just in her own environment, you know, when she was alone. And uh, her friend, though, for some inexplicable reason, bought her this fake cat. Like I said, not even soft. It's not even like you could use it as a pillow or anything. It was just decorative, and it was really fucking tacky. It wasn't that expensive-looking or anything. It wasn't like it looked elegant it looked really fucking stupid and uh my mom my mom like thanked her she's like oh thank you so much but then she was worried she, she, my mom was telling me she's like she bought me this fake cat this life-size fake cat that looks like it's sleeping and she's like now when she comes over i, I feel like i have to keep it so that i can like put it out like now i feel like, <laughs> now i feel like if she comes over she's gonna be looking for it i thought that was so funny But, uh, just to go back on track, like, you know, it's the same thing for like somebody telling you a a personal story and repetition can kind of make you feel crazy. Like those are moments where you almost feel like you're, you're losing your mind a little bit. Like I know in relationships, like romantic relationships, you end up repeating yourself all the time. And some people like that, I mean a certain amount of it is good and, ine- and inevitable, but I've said before, and this goes for friends or anybody, it's like basically like your friends or whoever is in your life long term is going to be somebody who you don't hate for repeating themselves all the time. <laughs> I feel like the same is true for podcasts, because I mean I, I've been listening to some for so many years and I'll, I'll hear the same things come up. Like I I've, I've heard this criticism against all sorts of podcasts. Like I know some people who hate on Joe Rogan's podcast will talk about how he just like tells the same story over and over again or references the same thing. But it's like you're listening to this guy for nine hours a week for the last, I don't know, however many years. This guy is doing three-hour episodes, you know, multiple times a week, and, you know, (laughs) that's, what, nine hours a week. You've been listening to him for five, ten years. You're going to hear the guy say the same things over and over again, right? It's just inevitable. and I mean, it's the same thing for friends or anybody. Like, I'll have conversations with good friends of mine where they'll suddenly start launching into a story that I've heard, you know, a hundred times, but, you know, there's a a reason why they're your friend and you can just kind of listen to it again. And maybe it's a good enough story, you know? But I do, it. I mean, obviously, if, if you have paid even just a little bit of attention to this thing, what I do here, it's mostly just a collage of the same stories in different order all the time. But I've said that before, like basically like the people that you end up at the end of basically lo- like like love means not hating a person for repeating themselves all the time. And uh But also, you know, it is just part of uh part of civility is when you're spending time with somebody like saying like Oh, because honestly, well, the reason I bring up the gift thing is because like when somebody's telling you a story that you've already heard and you say, you already told me this, you immediately notice this dissonance. Like you've immediately hurt their feelings. Like even if they know that they're telling you the same story they've told you before, it still like hurts to hear that. <laughs> it still hurts people's feelings. It, it just, it just causes like a disruption to hear somebody go I've already, I already know this story you already told me I know this already you know it just it causes like this this problem and it's more polite just to listen to the same story up to a point but in the age of social media it was interesting cuz that that used to only happen with people you knew if they had told you that story personally like if somebody was repeating themselves 20, 30 years ago, you only would have been hearing it for a second time because they personally told you the first time. But in the age of, you know, the internet and social media, it's like, here's this thing that they've broadcast in some form out to, like, their entire network of people. And when people started checking that stuff all the time, every day, there's a good chance that every single person they know already knows. Already knows. Already knows. And so, you, you would sit, so it was like this sort of politeness where somebody's doing that and you're like, oh, I already know this. But like the gift thing, it's not just about you. You know, in the same way that like, even if somebody's getting you a gift you don't want or already have, it's not about just you getting that thing. It's about the exchange. And I think it's kind of the same thing when someone tells you something they've already told you. Or tells you something that they already broadcast to their whole social network. Like, there's sort of an exchange taking place. And it doesn't really matter what they're telling you or what they're saying. There's It's, it's kind of like this connection. It's there's, there's something going on there. But we never really established etiquette about that. And just, uh, you know, my generation, I think grew up when that sort of thing should be established, but we still kind of had the old mentality. And so I think there's many of us, even people like me who have been online for, you know, 20 years now. Over 20 years. Uh, Like, even someone like me who kind of came of age with that stuff becoming available, I still have a great deal of reservation about, like, acknowledging like something somebody posted online, it's it's almost like another uni- universe we existed in. And like, and I noticed with younger generations though, they're less reserved about that. Like my little sister, um, she's very um, tactful about social media. I think she's, she's an amazing example of like the way young people can use that stuff without being, you know, whatever. I'm sure she uses it a lot. I'm sure she's like on her phone probably a lot. Cause most young, most people are, but it's like, she's, she uses it very responsibly and tactfully. But I, I noticed like, you know, one time she was like, Oh, I showed dad, like this thing you posted. And I immediately kind of like Recoiled inside not because it was anything bad, but because it was like almost like this other dimension. We exist in Was having the curtain pulled back and I think I also grew up in a time where like you pretended like Because I mean it used to even happen with like instant messenger like when everybody from school would be on instant messenger and you'd be talking You'd like you'd, you'd see them the next day, but almost act like you hadn't been talking until midnight it would happen with girls, because, like, I, you know, I was just this, you know, you know, girls weren't terribly interested in me when I was in high school, but I was friends with many of them and, you know, got along and, like, there were some though where like, we would actually have these, like, really interesting and, <laughs> interesting and, like, insightful conversations and you'd, you'd see them the next day and like say hi and talk and everything it wasn't like you pretended not to know each other but it was like that you were just back to being these two regular kids you were back to just being like an awkward boy and girl in high school but meanwhile like you'd be on instant messenger and your brains are just like in their own element just like sharing ideas and thoughts and that was always interesting to me i mean it would happen with fights and shit like i remember getting into an online argument with one of my good real life friends and then the next morning for the first class like we had to sit next to each other in math back to math and we just kind of acted like it didn't happen like we had been insulting each other the night before but we had to sit down at eight o'clock the next morning right next to each other and we sat next to each other because we're friends but we we just kind of sat down and then you know within a few minutes we were talking and joking and stuff but it was just It was like in this other dimension, we had a battle last night. And you don't acknowledge the other dimension. But that's changed a bit, now people do. I mean, now people, they're actually acknowledging the other dimension sometimes more than they acknowledge this dimension. They've brought that dimension into this dimension and now they just completely overlap. And so when somebody fact checks you, it's not just that that's rude. Wooed. It's not just it's not just that it's rude when somebody tells you something for you to like look it up and verify it in front of them. And and it's not that it's rude if somebody's wearing a band shirt and while you're standing right in front of them, you look up the band. It's not that that's actually rude. It's just that it still to me kind of feels like this other dimension. It still feels to me like, oh yeah, that's something that we don't really talk about here. Here. We don't access the other dimension in front of other people.